Hello, this is Jamie. And this is Heather. And welcome to Using Our Inside Voice, a podcast where we awaken to the extraordinary meaning of everyday mundane life by passing it through a particle collider of different and differing perspectives. On today's show, we're going to be talking about something that's come up as a result of the two shows that we just recently did uh, where we explored the concept of past lives. Uh, That has sort of been the red carpet to unveiling new revelations for both Jamie and myself. Yeah, so this has been actually a lot of fun for me because I've gotten to delve back into a lot of the things that I really love to do. Um, One, which is genealogy and ancestry work. I love it a lot. And it's something that's they got triggered in me when I was very young because at a very young age, when I was asking about my family's ancestry, I was told by my paternal grandfather that I didn't want to know about my family's past because we had a lot of basically unsavory characters. in the mix, <laughs> And he was just simply not going to tell me. And even when I asked simple questions like, well, like, where did we come from? He kind of said, oh, I think we came from Ireland. And that <laughs> and that was about as far as I got. And he made it abundantly clear. The, the older I got and the more I kept trying to question, the more he made it abundantly clear that he was just never going to tell me. And mm-hmm. that that was not that was not something that that was not information that I was going to get out of him ever. So he always seemed really annoyed when I'd ask and immediately change the subject. And it's like, like, I don't care who's in the mix. Like that actually makes it more interesting for me. I think I, what I always understood was that something that an ancestor did an incredibly long time ago had no direct reflection on who I am today as an individual. And I think what I didn't realize at the time, though, was although that is true, we are truly our ancestors. The, the things that, that happen throughout history and throughout our lineage are very much tied to us, not only in a more kind of spiritual or or ethereal way but also in a very real physical dna way as well so that's something that i've kind of reopened and have been reinvestigating and we've been kind of doing that together more recently and it's i I don't know about you but it's been a lot of fun for me Mm -hmm. yeah how about for you definitely fun i well I've never been one to really care too deeply about my ancestry. I remember when I was young and my grandma was still alive, my mom's mom, she did a lot of hunting down our ancestry and fleshing out the family tree. She was really excited about it. She wanted me to be really excited about it. I was not really excited about it. All that it meant to me is that, you know, when she told me that I had relatives in the Revolutionary War, Um, she wanted me to become a a part of the DAR, the Daughters of the American Mm -hmm. Revolution. And I was like, absolutely. Are you joking? Absolutely not. To me, what that meant was that I'd have to go to Louisiana at some point and put on a big hoop skirt 
and dingle myself <laughs> around some sort of cotillion hall. That was my vision of it. And I was like, uh, I don't even wear dresses. And I even remember asking my mom, mom, when you were younger, did you have to wear those big bell dresses? And she was like, well, yeah. She's like, I did. And I was like, no, no, no. My investigation was incomplete. But that was all I needed to hear to be turned <laughs> off of both the Revolutionary War and the Daughters of American Revolution and Ancestry all at once. I was like, you want me to dress up in a big hoop skirt? I don't think so. So that's kind of where it ended <laughs> until you started to get into genealogy when we started ghost hunting way back in 2011, mm -hmm. 2012. And then I was like, well, no one can make me wear a big hoop skirt now, so maybe maybe <laughs> I should give it another shot. And then yeah. I was mildly curious. But now that I'm doing the past life stuff, not only for people but for myself, um, and I started to realize that all of that ties in together – that's when the interest really spiked because yeah. I started to realize, especially witnessing what you went through, remembering so many of your past lives. I've mm. never been one to remember a ton of my past lives. I've kind of always been of the mindset that what's done is done and I'll figure it out moving forward. No big deal. But Seeing how much you needed to anchor into that energy, it made me aware that others probably needed to anchor into that energy too. Yeah. And one of the and I knew that your obsession with genealogy and ancestry could not be separate from all of the past lives that you were then experiencing. Yeah. And then, of course, that was that was confirmed when I became a past life regressionist, and you were one of my guinea pigs at the very start. I had no idea when I took you under that you would be completely somnambulistic and I would instantly be talking to other entities. <laughs> yeah. That was a shocker and it was amazing and such a privilege and an honor, but it was even more of a privilege and an honor when you started connecting with your ancestors who you also had been. Yeah. That was like the clincher. That was the confirmation that yes – we didn't just randomly incarnate into this bloodline. We've been in this bloodline for lifetimes. That doesn't mean yeah. this is the only bloodline we've been in necessarily. I actually have no idea. But I, I don't think that's really how it works. We've had other lives on other planes, in other dimensions, on other planets at the same time um, that – and who knows the bigger picture of how that all ties together? Of course, it has to tie together because all of our energies, no matter how singular you think you are, your energy has come from source. It's come from a collective energy that was one and broke into many. Yeah. It broke into many dimensions and many timelines and many people and many animals, many pieces of consciousness. It broke into the planet. It broke into other planets. It broke into rocks and dogs and cats and Jamie and Heather and whoever else may be listening at this time. We're yeah. all existing at the same time. Yeah. And I know that there's no way I can say that, that if you haven't already started contemplating this, that you will get it now. I know that you will only get this concept when you are prepared and ready, when you've come to a place where you're comfortable enough to start exploring this concept. But I have to keep saying it over and over again for those who are on the cusp. Absolutely. And and I feel like there might be people who, who are on that cusp and who have maybe been 
you know, just kind of occasionally having those thoughts pop into their head and that maybe this will be a trigger to become more interested or to receive further messages about this kind of work. Because to be honest, you know, I've, I've had a lot of mixed feelings about it. Like I said, this is something that I've, I've been interested in since I was very young. I can remember when I was incredibly, incredibly young. I'm talking maybe hmm, like five, six years old grabbing a pillowcase from my bedroom and wrapping it around my head and going into the kitchen and introducing myself to my mother as Vanessa, her other daughter. (laughs) Kids say the darndest things, (laughs) right? And she look at me like, what? Like, I remember her, I remember like distinctly walking into the kitchen. My mom's at the stove, you know, like starting dinner or something. And she looks over at me like, what? 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 <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I wrote, go into this like whole spiel about this person, Vanessa. And, and that was one of the first, that was, that was the first lifetime that I stepped into when we had our first regression that was mm-hmm. so odd to me because I, I hadn't connected the two things together. And in my head, the the uh, the pillowcase always signified something like a like, you know, more of a scarf over the head. But I'm guessing from the era that I remember, it was probably a bonnet that I was trying to emulate. I just didn't have anything that you know, was close enough to a bonnet, but you know, little, little threads like that, little, little seeds, little nuggets left behind that have just continued to grow as I've gotten older. And even in talking about the first past life that I consciously remembered, which was the meditation that I did for myself and being introduced to the three different versions of an ancestral me, I still don't think I was quite putting things together. I wasn't putting two and two together yet that this isn't just a thing for me. This is a thing for everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone has these experiences. They just maybe haven't connected with them the way I have yet. Like, I I feel like I guided myself to something incredibly specific in order to help trigger something incredibly specific for others, which is starting that journey to really notice and um, trace back where some of this trauma and what we call ancestral karma um has stemmed from which is is really just personal your personal human experience through various lifetimes in various places even when we talk about you know the thought of you have many different lineages of course you have very many different lineages even when we're speaking about it 
in terms of the ancestral trees that we can look at now, when you contemplate the fact that every single individual in your ancestral tree, it took no less than 1,700 people living their lives to get them there. If you continue to times that (laughs) by all of the people in your tree, guess what you come up with? A freaking infinite number (laughs) that Mm -hmm. keeps going that is tied to every single other individual. You are going to eventually get back to, you know, some sort of running into, I, you know, I'm related to this person here or there, which most recently I did find the linking ancestors for you and I, Mm -hmm. this feeling that, you know, we know each other, that there's some sort of tie to each other. And it's very much, you know, I know for me, it is very much in a heart place. It's very much a feeling of, I know your soul from somewhere. We are connected somehow, which is why it always felt like a very familial type connection for me and I latch on to that right away with the people that I feel that way with Mm -hmm. um but it was really cool to actually see that on paper or on a screen on something that is tangible in our current to see its manifestation into the physical in into the physical exactly And to see the types of the types of issues that we share, the type of common traumas that we share, and to now start to piece together and realize that, well, yeah, because those are those are common traits handed down throughout our families. Those are common issues. And the way we view things the way we handle things now you can trace back and see where we came up with those perspectives this is something that's been you know tumbled down slowly throughout history throughout timelines that you know were maybe triggered a very 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 long time ago and we're still We're still seeing those common threads. We're still working on those, on some of those same issues, but in a, in a new way, in a different way, forming different perspectives and having different realizations and revelations about some of the issues that our ancestors faced. As a result of picking and choosing your different traits And your different influences that you're going to incarnate into this life with. Mm -hmm. And and carrying certain themes forward, you know, where where you maybe hadn't been quite done with something, but you knew that, you know, in that particular lifetime, things were not going to change enough for you to experience that particular perspective in a different way. So you push that energy forward and that went to a a subsequent side of your of your line to to then pick up and carry and continue to play with that energy and move forward 
and have a different version of that experience mm-hmm. and all of the things that you collect along the way. It's, it's just really cool. And I'm starting to get more and more messages about some of the things that in the spiritual community we may know of, and we may have touched upon things like the Akashic records, uh, things like our celestial families and the concept of as above, so below some of the things that have been interwoven throughout our, our histories, like religion and different practices and different uh, religious and sacred texts and what has been passed down in those. There's a few things that I really would like to, my intention is to make uh, one or maybe a couple of even videos about and possibly post them in the future in our, in our Patreon Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of show I, I was able to do something recently that for a genealogist is kind of like the ultimate pay dirt. <laughs> 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 and that is to find a line that will take you all the way back. <laughs> we're taking all, we're, 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 we're seriously talking all the way, all the way back. Like, you know, when, when it says, here's God. <laughs> and then, all the way down here here's you (laughs) um it's it's something that is incredibly controversial even within genealogical standards because there's always you know once you get back so far it's like yeah but is that really a thing and it's like well we all come from somewhere so (laughs) it's you know it's you have to start understanding these are these are projections or placeholders for the the as far as back as you could go the idea of this particular lineage starts with these two people and these are the people who are representing that idea and then it gets kind of passed down from there so i'm speaking of like adam and eve because a lot of people have that yeah but was it really and is that I know, a thing? I did, yeah and then and like what's the point of tracing your real mm-hmm. life bloodline back to imaginary people that doesn't make sense to me so for for how i did it and for how it's going to happen for a lot of people um i will say right off the bat if if you are if you have people from the perspective of having grown up in the United States and being an American, if, if you're an American and you can find people that came over on the Mayflower, that's a good place to start because generally speaking, you're going to have somebody in that group that's connected to some pretty important people and important around being the world, Im- Im- royalty. Well, important being royalty being people in power, people who, because one of the things that was really important to those people was to keep track of their family lines, to keep track of their heritage. It's not so much from a place of power as it is understanding that these were people who, because of that, kept really close eye on 
who was in the family. They had to because that's how the titles were being handed down. So once you get far enough back for and for me, that was and it's going to probably be the same thing for you, I'm guessing, with with the the route that we're seeing kind of unravel at the moment. It's going to be Edward the first. Um, so if you kind of sidestep from Edward and find was Edward, Ed- Jamie, uh, Edward was one of the first, should I say notable kings of England. And it was very interesting because earlier today we're, we're filming this or filming this, we're recording this <laughs> on, I'm like, don't get ahead of yourself here. We're, <laughs> We're recording this on May 6th, which is the coronation day of Charles III. And so it was very interesting this morning. I got to see Edward's throne um, because that is used, that has been used ever since in the coronation of uh, the British monarchs. So uh, I also got to see the Stone of Destiny. Mm-hmm. That was that was fun because they uh, apparently they reprocured the Stone of Destiny for the coronation from Scotland a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned something new about the chair that I that I had never known before because I've I've seen pictures of it and I've seen, of course, movies where it was replicated and things like that. But the chair always has this little stair step platform in front of it, and I always thought that the chair was sitting on the platform and that the lion heads that are down at the bottom were the feet and it's not the platform butts up next to the chair so there is the the placeholder for the stone of destiny is kind of encaged right below the butt of the seat and then there's legs right and so that was fun getting to see it from the back and go oh that's how that worked that's cool getting to see all the engraving on the chair and things like that. There's a lot of very historical pieces that were, you know, brought out and used today that, you know, at, at the very least people haven't seen in, in 70 years, if ever, and certainly not in this kind of clarity and detail, you know, because people were right up on everything as it was happening. So that was very interesting to see. And all of the layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of history and symbolism. Mm-hmm. There are little hints to things that I kept picking up on as we're scanning by things that I'm like, oh, my God, that's linked to this. And this is linked to that. And they do that. They do this in the ceremony because of this reason, and this was a thing because of this reason. And starting to piece together in your head how some things that became a big part of the pomp and circumstance of it all, like came from very like simple motives or very like practical things. You know, like uh, it was hilarious because I'm watching them put the crown on Charles and then watching them kind of like lead him over to his new throne and watching him be seated and then watching people start to come up to him to uh, give their like vow of allegiance and things like that. And just in my mind, because I thought it was funny and because we've been milliners 
Um, <laughs> you know, knowing that this is going to be a really heavy freaking headpiece. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly how how heavy they said it was, but it's over two pounds. So I know just from putting on something that's much lighter than that, that that's a lot of weight on your head mm-hmm. <laughs> and going, Oh dear. Like, you know, I'm watching them and they're like chin starting to droop. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> tilt your head up, tilt your head up. Like there's no chin strap on that sucker. <laughs> um, and going, and all of a sudden having it dawn on me, you know, the whole thing of uh, that royalty doesn't bow to anyone else. It's like, of course they couldn't bow to anybody else. They were carrying a <laughs> crown around. For- <laughs> the crown would fall off. It'd be a the disaster. Crown would fall off. They can't it would be bow. ridiculous. You can't bow. Be crazy. <laughs> just, just that thought hitting my head, you know, like a little voice going, oh, yeah, see, that's the reason why you can't bow. And it's like. Oh my god, that's a, that's a hilarious <laughs> thing just to take in because it's so simple and like duh. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the other things was, you know, of course, even to this day, as you know, it seemed more as a as a tradition and a fashion statement now. But the wearing of hats, and it's like, well, the wearing of hats simply came from a belief that you should wear a head covering because that protects your soul. I mean, that's I mean, from that, Jewish that dates back all the way, way back to before. forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and seeing now that that's just be, you know, it's I don't think anybody thinks of it that way, but that's where it stemmed from. And all of these little things that are are layers that just kind of get lost, you know, to to history and, and well, the ritual over time became routine. Yeah. The ritual, the ritual gets lost to routine. And. And you stop seeing all of those layers of symbolism. But now as I'm on this particular journey and I'm and I'm doing the work of pulling back the corners and pulling the layers back and seeing how everything branches out, it's really interesting to see how all of that symbolism, um, you know, symbols of like the thistle, which has been a symbol of both crown and in many ways and before even then a symbol of a connection to not only your intuition but your spirituality and in general you know and and then seeing that symbol being repeated and and used a lot that's especially for charles that's one of the symbols that he's chosen to kind of magnify in his particular reign and so that's something that was projected everywhere it's on emblems on on clothing it was on banners all over the place it's and it's worked into things that have existed for a thousand years now because we go back basically all the way to william the conqueror which was in 1066 and that's kind of where they establish the uh the british monarchy sure you know so if you think all the way back then and realize that even back then the things that they were doing were based on the traditions that happened before them Mm -hmm. but also interesting to see when we think about you know just from the perspective of 
changing perspectives and shifting those traditions and building in things based on what we have learned from our past. It was very interesting to see that before Charles took the oath, because the coronation is really a religious ceremony. It's not a ceremony of state. It's, it's basically where the monarch declares that he is doing the duty of God. He is in service to the people and he is giving his, his or her life over to, to a job of service. And because he is the defender of the faith of the Church of England, which is a Protestant church, thanks to Henry. <laughs> thanks, Henry. <laughs> thanks, Henry. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. If that's what you choose, that that is your, your particular flavor, then that is your particular flavor. But also knowing that throughout his growing up, Charles had some opinions about religion as a whole and wanting to see more um, diversity and inclusivity. Basically, there was a little speech right before that, I, I guess, so in, in summing it up, would say that although he is giving this speech as a tradition, you know, handed down through generations in the monarchy, his wish is to include people of all faiths and that all faiths are welcome under the monarchy. And so he went ahead and gave the oath, but then as the various vestiges get handed over to him, things like the scepter and the orb and uh, the jeweled sword of justice and mercy and and all of these different items they're being presented to him by leaders of different faiths which is something that we have not seen so -hmm. this is something that is you know i know that that's something that i think elizabeth was trying to work towards but you also have to work through you know kind of contemplating what do you do do you do you hand down do you make a change quickly and disrupt things or do you take it slow and allow things to build over time where it feels more natural and comfortable and not like a big change? And I see you kind of getting a little choked up and clenching the heart space a little bit. I don't, you know, when I, when you told me that you were watching the coordination, I was like, well, that sounds long and boring. But then I started to think about it and I was like, well, actually I completely get why it is so poignant to this day, even though a lot of the pomp and circumstances we've said um, represents to me lost intention. Like it Mm -hmm. it represents a dilution of the original Mm -hmm. magic that went into formulating the ritual to begin with. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, it made me aware that at least on some level, even if it's not completely conscious, even they understand that what they're doing is magic. Yeah. And, that they're and, creating a ritual, that they are creating spells, yeah. that they are weaving intention into this thing, and it isn't all lost to pomp and circumstance. They may mm-hmm. no longer 
and I think that they do. I think the people like Charles knows they're involved, what they're involved in. He knows what all of it means. He was raised in it. But yeah. for the people who maybe are inexplicably royal watchers or inexplicably fascinated by this ceremony that seems so schizophrenic compared to what the state of our world looks like at this time, it shows me that the deeper levels still exist even if they're covered mm-hmm. up by a forgetfulness. And that the whole point of time is, well, not the point of time, but a result of time, a side effect of time, is that those things are lost to it. Time is also a veil that brings down forgetfulness upon our heads. And one of the things that I know has been a mission in this life for me, I came in very, very much attached to tradition. When I Mm -hmm. learned something thing that was supposed to happen every year, it had to happen at the same time, in the same Mm -hmm. way. These were the traditions of that, like Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving. This is how it had to happen. And if it didn't happen, I was shattered. (laughs) I couldn't deal. I I didn't, it was like a, 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 um, what's it called? A touchstone in my life was being Mm -hmm. taken from me. And One of the things that I have to work on or I've had to work on is allowing that to go away so that something new could take its place. And that started with developing. First, you have to allow it to go away Mm -hmm. in order to develop the faith that something else will come to replace it that's just as poignant and important. And you have to have faith enough in yourself to be able to be pliable and amenable enough to those changes to to trust that you will make it through, that you will grow stronger as a result of allowing these things to release. And that's just that's just painting a picture of the entire spiritual journey. Yeah. And, and when you me, look at it Go ahead. When you look at it from these points of view, you get that theme that is irrefutable in this world, which is when certain things echo over and over and over again, it's because they are certain. There is no question. There is no doubt. You don't have to reach or manifest faith over those things because what's happening through you releasing these routines that were once ritual is you're allowing the world to show you its certainty. And the one thing I think everybody wants in their life is to feel certain of things. Of course. And that makes it not a belief. A belief is something that you have to work to know. This isn't something that you have to work to know. It's inherent within you. Mm -hmm. So it's not a belief. It just is. It just exists. And for me, what I'm learning through it is I'm seeing again and again and being shown especially mary because mary is such a touchstone to so many different time periods because the amount of of dimensional space that she touched upon in in that particular uh personality i'm seeing evidence of all of those things i can see her i can see her with isis I can see her um, 
continuing those same traditions and those same initiations and ceremonies over and over and over again in different places. I can see her picking it up, um, you know, in, in connection with Druids. And then I can see her again, weaving that through as a nun. And I can feel where that has continued to be a theme where although time and things around you and perspectives and beliefs about things change, there are these little threads that keep getting woven throughout that are linking everything together. And that is what your ancestry allows you to do because all of those people aren't just they're not just energies that are far 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 removed from you and oh my goodness i can't imagine being in that space the same thing happens over and over again watch any show that has to do with genealogy go out and watch an episode of who do you think you are go out and watch an episode of finding your roots go on out and watch an episode of genealogy roadshow every single time you will see the same thing happen over and over again a very tiny, sometimes minuscule, seems like nothing piece of information being dropped in front of someone and then having that person who has, who may be many, many, many generations removed from that event, have an overwhelming emotional response to that tiny nugget of information. And that's because they're remembering. That's not that's not a feeling that you get or an emotion that wells up in you. It's not empathy for a stranger. Superfluous to, or, or superfluous. Yeah, it, yes. it's superfluous. It's not, and it's not just empathy for a stranger. It's not like seeing someone on the street and feeling yeah. bad for their predicament and being so empathetic that you cry. It is grieving your own loss. Those tears are own grieving loss. your own pain. That is healing you. Yeah. And because it just happened you know, to me this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you you can, you in that moment, you may not be consciously aware of it, but what's happening in that moment is you're realizing that from that point came this point where you are right now. Mm-hmm. That even though that thing happened, you're still here right now. You made it through that thing. And then that's where that realization that it's like, I made it. I did it. Well, I'm here. Yes. But also, I mean, okay, so earlier this week when you were going through some of my ancestors, you stumbled upon, might have even been last week, I'm not sure, but you stumbled upon um, a one of my ancestors who had made arranged marriage contracts mm-hmm. for his family at you said to me in a text message, this, I have a feeling, is a repeating theme in your family. And immediately, it sent me down a path of self-discovery, of ancestral self-discovery. Um, because I, I knew it was a thing. Because the first past life I ever remembered or had a flashback of, well, not the first one, uh, maybe the second one. The first one was, 
I always knew that I had been a whore in the old West. Like <laughs> I was very connected to that from a very young age. I didn't even even com- completely grasp the concept of a whore mm. or a the ladies of the night, but I knew, I knew that I was going to play the barmaid in the fourth grade 49ers play. I knew it. And I checked with my mom, 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 were the barmaids the ones that dressed like this? And she said, yeah. She's like, and, and I said, were, were they sometimes, you know, ladies of the night? And she said, yes. I'm like, that's what I want to play. <laughs> like, I shouldn't have been a fourth grade, fourth grader this obsessed with playing that. That was the first one I remembered. But the second one I remembered came later when um, I remembered a lifetime, and I've spoken about this before. It was the lifetime back in the, the prior to the Civil War and then during the Civil War where I kind of got, I was the victim of the bait and switch where I fell in love with the older brother but was married off to the younger brother. And it was an arranged contract so that the properties mm-hmm. could be legally joined. And I didn't have a real say in the matter. And and the me that was then didn't uh, think to have a say in the matter. It just was what it was. Um, no matter how heartbreaking it may have been, it just was business. That's That was the mindset of that person. Just know that that that's, how the, that's how the family survives. That's Those are the that, things that you yeah, have to do. Yeah, this is just what you do. This is business. Um, and daughters were basically trading tokens. That's just what we were. And mm-hmm. so it never occurred to me when I remembered that because I remembered it from the mindset of the person that I had been, it never occurred to me what the emotional side effects of that were until you mm-hmm. said, I think this is a theme in your family. And I burst into tears because I realized that I've always, one of the, this is, this is an example of one of those nuggets that we're talking about that everyone has in their memory that they don't know why it feels so strong or so poignant for them. This Mm -hmm. is an example of one of mine. And I I came in from a very young age not completely trusting my parents to take care of me, Mm -hmm. not completely trusting adults, and knowing in my heart and soul feeling more than anything my job as their daughter was to keep their marriage intact. They never really gave me, especially at this young age, they hadn't given me a reason to believe this, that mm-hmm. I can put my finger on. I truly believe this was something that I was born into. And when we stumbled upon the contractual marriages in the ancestral line, and I connected it to that contractual marriage during the Civil War, the result was... I realized that I was born with such a strong sense of codependency because of these contracted marriages, because as a result of someone saying over generations and over lifetimes that all you are is a bargaining chip, it does two things. One, it tells you that you don't have a choice to be self-reliant, which has been a huge theme in my life. I've been battling and struggling for a feeling of certainty in my own ability to take care of myself for as long as I can remember. And it's affected Mm -hmm. every aspect of my, my life and my lifestyle. And I've always been perplexed by it. Like, where the fuck did this come from? How did I get like this? Why am I so messed up? What is happening? You know? Mm -hmm. And I realized at that moment when you said that, well, it's happening because it's happened a million times. And this is one of the things that you came in to heal so that it no mm-hmm. longer got in your way moving forward. And the other thing that it did was when you have instincts to take care of you that you are then denied, 
you end up taking care of everyone else. Yeah. And you are literally born into a life with an instinct for enabling and codependency. Yeah. And then you spend that life wondering, what the fuck? Like, even if your parents don't, most people's parents do support a certain sense of narcissism that sort of triggers that codependency when mm -hmm. that's a part of their makeup, that's what they incarnate into. I might, you know, I certainly went through a time like that with my parents, but it was not my codependency predated that time. Oh, sure. And I always knew it. And I could never explain it to myself. And I could, it wasn't, I couldn't see it. But when you came up with, I think contractual marriages were a theme in your past, in your ancestral line, I was like, Jesus Christ, it's in my blood. It's literally in my DNA. It literally flows through my body. This decision to be taken care of by someone else, this feeling that I can only live if I'm taken care of by someone else, every decision I've ever made to take care of someone else before I take care of myself, and then the consequent struggle of trying to flip that on its head and take care of myself before I take care of someone else, that all comes from literally it's in my DNA. Physically coded. Yes. And I was like, coded. holy shit, that's huge. Because when you can finally see it, it means it just feels so grounded. Whereas before it felt entirely unanchored. You knew it was floating around out there. Kind of like when you're trying to catch a fly. Mm -hmm. Oh, the mm -hmm. fly finally landed. And I was yeah. going to smack that sucker. <laughs> you know, It may not cure all the difficulty, but it sure does make it a lot easier to know what you're working on. It gives you a pathway. It gives you a foundation to to reexamine the work that you've already done, yeah, and and to take stock of that work and to feel accomplished in that work that you've already done, and then gives you the footing that you need to move forward. Yeah, and and as you were talking about that, you know, you kind of you you uh, talked about the the life as a horror, but you kind of skipped over it. But even that is tied in. Well, yeah, what, she came what, as a what? result. She was a she was a distortion of what freedom might look like in a world where most women were not able to be free from marriage. She was free from marriage, but she wasn't free of being a token, a bargaining token. She wasn't free of of mm -mm. being beholden to men. She wasn't free, you know, that was as close to freedom as she as she could get without actually being attached legally. And and still didn't get an opportunity to have love in the way that we want love. You know, it's like marriage doesn't automatically mean love. Having a position like that doesn't automatically mean love. Just because you are doted upon or found desirable does not mean that you are loved. And certainly not in the way that you want to be. So that is continually carried as well. Um, and, and in our case, because you can find those ancestors that are connected to things like the monarchy, you see that handed down through that family line as well. It's like these are people who arrange themselves in a very particular manner to carry a, a very, you know... And it's interesting to me because in my head as I say this, and as I was watching today, 
there was also, you know, the, the theme of duality brought up. It's like, yes, this is a very power heavy, patriarchal at times distorted tradition. But on the other hand, if you take the moment to kind of go, okay, but if I take away all of these things, what am I left with? On the other hand, I'm also left with a type of uniting force. If you take away the thought that certain things were forced upon other people, what are you left with? Well, you're left with this huge group of people of different principalities and territories that have been brought together under one united front. So ultimately, there is a thread of unity there, as distorted as that particular version of of unity may be at this moment. And I think there's a realization, if, if not fully conscious, then at least partially conscious, that that is there, and that that is something, and that it does mean something, and that maybe if we're able to tap into that more and show that more, if we can think of it in a different way, that maybe eventually that's something that we can start leaning on and leaning on each other and seeing each other as, as not only as equals, but as just fellow human beings instead of a particular religion, a particular creed, a particular gender, you know, whatever, eventually you can wipe those things away because they're just, they're just titles. They're just things that we assign. They're just assignments. They don't really need to be there. They're like, you know, you can be a winner at the game of life. It literally is a game. It's all constructed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean anything more than self-discovery. Yeah. Whatever you think you are, whatever you would go to war for these things aren't real and they're fleeting and they didn't yeah. exist in other timelines that you still existed in and you didn't well, that you're have, still existing in yeah that you're that you're currently existing in but let's you know let's for argument's sake let's just stick yeah. to human timeline and 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 let us have for the, for brevity a way to talk about it yeah. you know um, that everyone can understand no matter what point of view they're at. Whatever life you've had in the past, those lives ha- were haves and have-nots. And you were all sorts of religions and you were all sorts of races. And you were, you know, different sexes, genders. Uh, you had different proclivities. You had different resources. You've been, because the proof is in the pudding, like you are your neighbor, you are God, mm-hmm. you are everything, and these differences still exist. You've been all of it. And at the end of the day, we have to, we're clearing out these distortions that this matters. The number yeah. one biggest distortion we're clearing out is that any of this actually matters. And the other thing that we're clearing out is the fear that someone else is going to take away our freedom to believe in what we want to believe in. If we can get to the point where we are sovereign enough to realize that no one else is entitled to what we have, 
And yeah. I know that the, I can already hear the dissenting voices out there like, oh, you're easy for you to say, blah, 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 you know. Uh, because we've suffered so many lives of giving away our power. I, like I said, in that lifetime where I was, quote, forced to marry the other brother, I also was programmed to believe that's just the way it was and I didn't have any say in the matter. I'm not yeah. programmed like that anymore. The me that exists and is doing this podcast is in no danger of marrying either brother. <laughs> <laughs> she knows who they both are. Been there, done that. And both brothers are off leading their own lives because this girl finally realized that she needs to figure out how to be self-reliant. Interestingly enough, in that whore life that I remember, when I had my first mm -hmm. past life regression, I went and I looked at that life because uh, I was always curious about it. And there, the, the owner of the theater slash bar saloon wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't talk to me. And the energy was that he thought I was disgusting trash and mm -hmm. I was in love with him. And I asked while we were talking about this what that was about and I kind of got a giggle out of it. And I heard we couldn't reward you in the distortion because you would continue to think that it was – that you were succeeding at freedom that you were succeeding mm -hmm. at sovereignty. You weren't succeeding at freedom or sovereignty. You just no. were trying a different way of yeah. being enslaved. And I was like, okay, fair, <laughs> fair. That is certainly fair. That is true. Same life, different scenery. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you, just, you just put on a different hat. You were still enslaved. And, um, and it makes perfect sense. And, and yeah. I've run across several of the important male figures from my past lives in this lifetime, and none of them have stuck around. Well, they weren't and meant to. They weren't meant to. It was for good reason. And I always knew it was for good reason, so I never had any – I really didn't hold grudges, uh, and I didn't hold on to the pain for an excessive amount of time. I grieved the loss and moved on and was like, this is, I'll see you on, on the other side. Uh, that's always how I think of it. I'll see you yeah. on the other side. I know that this is just part of a game that we're playing. So thank you for having participated in my game. And I'm sorry if it caused you any trouble or any pain, uh, even though I know whatever it caused them, they agreed to and needed to have in their journey yeah. too. But for whatever my part was in it, I am, I apologize. I'm sorry for that. And I really do – I am grateful that they loved me enough from a soul level to participate in my fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? They, they, right? They literally raised their hands to participate in my fuckery. And my fuckery yeah. being that I would blame them for the pain that I was feeling as a result oh, absolutely. of absolutely. And now I'm, I see that – no, I completely get why that had to happen. And I completely get, get why, from a certain perspective, I still haven't been, air quote, rewarded for doing mm -hmm. better. I, the reward is not what you think it is. When you are no. attached to yeah. the outcome being, you will get the love of your life will just come waltzing in and, and you're still attaching that or I'm still attaching that to rescue. You know, that's well, the, the white knight thing. You yeah. can't. Some of us are not here to be rescued. We're here to rescue our fucking selves. Well, and I was just going to say that ultimately the, the love of your life should be yourself. Yeah. That's, and we just posted about that this morning on Instagram. It's <laughs> we like did, that, yeah, yeah. That needs to be your number one. And as, as much as that 
might feel, you know, air quotes, selfish or or even cliche. Um, like don't or don't cliche, throw the baby yeah. out with the bathwater on that one because it sounds really kumbaya, as Simona would say, but it, yeah. it is the truth. It, the love of yeah. your life should be you. Yeah, you you have to start with um, kind of removing a lot of the judgments that you put upon yourself because they are going to keep showing up for you and other people and the people that irritate you the most, the peer and the people that you want to punch in the face. That that is something that is being reflected upon you so that you can say, "Hey, that trait is also somewhere in me, and I need to give myself it's something some grace. that." I repress and I don't show to people because I'm a good person and good people don't show those things to other people. And that you think you're doing yourself this huge favor and the, and you're going to get – moreover, you think you're doing other people a favor by not showing these, quote, ugly pieces of you. But in mm -hmm. reality, what you're doing is, is you are prolonging that piece of you existing because you're refusing to deal with it and heal it. And so people do these things to you and you sit there going, well, everyone knows that you don't do that to another person. Well, clearly everyone does not know that because it just happened to you. <laughs> and you might want to look <laughs> to that. Yeah, or, or you hold anger about something and, and, you know, people don't generally like anger. It's not like you go out saying i, I want to be angry angry <laughs> sounds like fun i love that emotion I'm, I'm just gonna go sit in anger all the time nobody <laughs> wants to be angry i certainly don't want to be angry but i am starting to realize more and more that it's important that when anger comes up i need to connect with it i need to feel it i need to sit with it i need to look at it i need to figure out what it wants or what it's trying to show me or tell me what kind of perspective it's is trying to get me to broaden um, or understand better. And, and that is really important to your self-care, to your own self-love, to your cultivation of compassion, to your ability to be able to show others grace in difficult situations, because it's, it's not like, it's not like we get to a spot necessarily where things stop affecting us. It may still affect you, but it's probably going to start affecting you in a different way. It's going to trigger different things to come up, different emotions to come up. And, and maybe anger isn't the first thing that gets triggered. Maybe sadness is something that gets triggered because it stopped making me angry. Now it just makes me sad because it's, you know, that particular thing that I'm viewing is not a happy thing to view, or it's not a joyous thing, or it's not a thing that feels good. And it's like, that's okay. It's okay to have anger. And then it's okay if that turns into sadness. And then that's okay if it turns into something else. And it's important to be able to step back and, and have that kind of evolution from within yourself that is going to eventually help to create that next version of you that ultimately and inevitably is going to get passed forward, you know, in, into whatever future space we step into, into whatever uh, future energy your soul takes on next. Um, 
you know, I think that's, I think it's really interesting and I am absolutely loving getting to see this and experience this in a new way through revisiting the genealogy. It's something Mm -hmm. that I've loved for a long time and that I've never put down for too long. Um, But, you know, I love that, that it's picked up over and over again in, in really interesting points in my life, you know, outside of uh, childhood and then, you know, being a, a teenager who, who loved to, uh, delve into like historical reenactment and and theater and things like that and kind of try on different lifetimes and and different personalities that way when we started paranormal investigating it was a way for me to start to learn about and know and bring into our reality the energies that we were encountering and and know what their stories were and to kind of retouch upon that um i was watching a program the other day that uh it was showing an interview of lewis gates jr who is the executive producer and the uh, host for finding your roots and he was talking to a friend of his that he was being interviewed by and he had this kind of funny way of looking at it, which was like, uh, I, I'm going to have to paraphrase, but it was basically, I feel like our ancestors are in purgatory waiting for us to release them by finding, finding out what their stories are. And through finding out what their stories are, you learn that their stories are our stories was basically what he said. Perfect. And I I felt that immediately in my bones. I felt that in my own story. I felt that in all the work that I did when we were paranormal investigating and yep. I was touching on, you know, entities that we were just, you know, getting names here and there and and sometimes knowing that they were connected to an actual person and then sometimes not being sure and then finding the links and then being able to flesh that out. Mm-hmm and understand where where and how that energy was was being presented to us in the present and why was amazing yeah and that's that was always one of my favorite parts still is to this day one of my favorite parts of doing that kind of work mm-hmm. is to um you know have the the honor of being able to discover an individual Mm-hmm. that maybe I didn't know about before who I may or may not be super connected to in this life, but through that work become connected. Right. And, you know, and at this point it's like, well, yeah, it, we are all connected. Of course we are, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's an idea. It's a concept that's still kind of floating around in the ether that is hard to connect to unless you do something like this. And actually bring that um, that connection closer to you. I used to do pretty consistently every month a, a type of personal ritual that I called pulling down the moon. And that was my, you know, during the full moon, 
going out to the ocean, putting my feet in the sand and having those moments of pulling this energy that seemed very far away from me closer to myself and kind of communing with it and and having my own personal moment of of initiation for the month where where I'm able to both release and open up to new things for for the upcoming cycle and I feel like the the ritual of doing this type of work is very much the same way. I'm pulling that which feels very distant from me closer to me in the moment where I'm making those little discoveries. And then I'm putting them down on something that's very tangible and feels very real that you can actually connect with to bring forward those feelings and emotions that will trigger that that next step that you need to take that next step of healing, that next step of discovery, that next step of creation, whatever it is that that particular energy is going to initiate for you in the moment. I'm, I'm really excited to do more of that work. Are you still looking for volunteers? I am. I would like, I think I would like two more volunteers at the moment. I put out a post uh, to the folks that are on our sound bath uh, email list for by sound mind and body, but I would love to throw it out to you guys as well. Um, I'm looking for, I think, yeah, I think I'd like two more people uh, to work with. And, and basically at, at this point, I'm, I'm not asking for compensation. I'm just asking uh, for you to, give a testimonial of your experience when we're done with this project. How it affected and, you, <clears throat> what yeah. it meant to you, what was unexpected about it, mm -hmm. that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you heard it here first. <laughs> if you want your ancestry <laughs> done by Jamie, she is a trained uh, ancestral uh, archaeologist. <laughs> <laughs> ancestral archaeologist and ancestral doula what that's really what i'm kind of seeing myself as in this moment because it is different from traditional genealogy and I, what i'm what i am looking to do is not to necessarily flesh out your full line for you what i am looking to do and what i'm guided to do is joining the the skills that I have as a certified genealogist with the intuitive skills and knowledge that I have cultivated throughout my spiritual learning and path. And I want to find those places in your history where there is still so much held that it's literally creating a block from not only your your whole family from moving forward ultimately because everybody is going to be affected that that is connected to these moments um these energetic moments but to help you realize and learn where all of these patterns are stemming from and there's a lot of different ways to do this but i feel that this is particularly potent because 
it does bring it so close and it gives you things that are both external and internal to you you know so yeah if you're interested go ahead and feel free to reach out to us we can put information on it uh both on our we can put it on our link tree we can put it it'll be in the link in the bio on our instagram i'll make a i'll make also, an instagram post for it yeah you can also reach out on our instagram and or email uh, us directly or email us directly yeah absolutely all of our Either links or. are on our link tree and on our patreon those are the two places mm-hmm. that you can reach out anytime we're always checking it so if you yeah, feel that this absolutely. is something you want to do go ahead and reach out and then that you know put in tantum with the work that you do wow mm-hmm. man yeah that's that's going to be a powerful combo i can't wait for us to put those things together it is more is more coming in the future there's yeah, going absolutely. to be some sort of collaboration here. We're just not sure what that looks like yet. So we're working on it. Yeah. And in the meantime, Jamie wants to flesh out her side of things. So help yeah, us out there. I, yeah. I, I want to see what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. I know what it looks like for, for me personally. And that's that's been great. And now for you, it's, I, I've had I've really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to do more of that work. Mm-hmm. Cool. And with that, do you think we've done the thing? Oh, we've for done the moment. Thing. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, more to come because seriously, this is something that, again, we can talk on forever and ever, I think. Yeah. More will come from it, I'm sure. Absolutely. But yeah, so reach out to us. You know how now. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, everyone.